This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined today by Leslie Gill, who is, yes, she's at work. She is at Otago Polytech in North Dunedin. Welcome, Leslie. Thanks, Sam. Great to be here. So how has your bubble life been? Um, My bubble originally started with just me and the cat, and um, so it was five very long weeks by myself, basically, but um, it was interesting because the community was all out on the street walking and <laughs> suddenly we have to become very aware of where we are in relation to everyone else on the street, including on the road, since there were no cars. And um, so that was fine until we dropped down to the level where we could visit um, others, and so I was able to join my daughter. She's over in Mornington. So, so, yeah, and as I think I put in one of my blogs that I wrote recently that our, my grandson was born four days after lockdown, so that was a bit tough. So you didn't get to see him? I got to see him, but yes. um, through the window um, <laughs> or on internet, I didn't get to hold the bubby for five weeks. So, um, yeah, I snuck over a couple of times to, to look through the window, and um, one of those weeks was my daughter's birthday, so we got to sneak a cake over and put it out and and dress the window on the outside. So in birthday, you know, <laughs> um, wrapping and balloons. <laughs> so so um, as a bit of a surprise, it's like you get quite inventive, don't you? When you can't have it normal, and that you don't get to share in the real celebrations as such. So the the time I can't remember when it was that we were allowed to to get back together. It would have been like a quadruple, yeah. at least a triple celebration for you. Yeah, certainly, and um, able to do lots of meals and stuff, and it's lovely because um, the little boy's still quite cuddly, and you know, like you think you lose that little baby stage, but actually, it stays there quite a lot longer than you think. Um, and the the point is, everyone's well, and um, there was, you know, there's a lot of families out there struggling who are in hospital or having other issues who would be very isolated. So isolated geographically but not because of the, you know something going wrong or anything like that it's interesting you're talking about how the community like got together on this on the street even if it wasn't physically getting together yeah it's a, yeah. a strange thing that when the the thing was that we couldn't do was get together yet there was a feeling of, of increased community and increased coming together yeah I totally agree with that and like everybody waved at each other. Like we've gone back to the everybody lives in their own houses again and the cars dominate the street. But actually 
there was a sense of community. We look, we did look out for our neighbours. I must say that's continued on somewhat, but um, not for the whole area that you live in. Like everybody was so friendly, but then everyone wasn't at work, so everyone had the time. It's, it's one of those things that makes you wonder, what are we doing running around going to work all the time? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. But hey, earning a living, I think they call it. <laughs> Don't be picky. You must work for a business school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like what I do. <laughs> so helps. you so you were teaching online during the lockdown? Yeah, we went straight to teaching online. So um, we were partway through a block and we started with Zoom. And then in the meantime, so we did practice runs in the classroom before we were in lockdown which was real handy, and then only a couple of weeks into lockdown, they shifted us to Microsoft Teams, which we had to do our own online training. Technology is not my uh, great strength, and um, so the, the, stress, the stress level, if there was one, was in that area. Um, I'm quite concerned that um, I would get it working if I could get it working, and if I can't, then what, you know, like you look, not only do you look like an idiot, but you could, your students are missing out on their learning. And um, But anyway, it all went perfectly well. And big shout out to our ISS team here. They were absolutely amazing, not only in their technical skills, but it's like they upped their pastoral care. So you felt like you're really talking to almost, um, you know, one-on-one. -on -one as they went through the things. And they were very encouraging that you weren't an idiot, even though you knew you, sh you didn't know what you were doing, if <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, they, they have a definite skill set that I, I seem to miss out on. <laughs> and um, so they were brilliant and really just reinforcing that I, it, things were going well and I was doing it right. But um, yeah, that's the thing that you miss from the camaraderie in the office because you don't get to check in with someone if, you know, just for a minute you have um, folk in our office who you can ask a question and uh, they've solved it in two seconds and it's really reinforcing what you thought you knew, but you don't have that when you're at home on your own. And, um, yeah, so I think it's about confidence and um, so you even second-guess yourself from what you thought you knew even you know, when it comes to that. But what, what I did was, so we switched to Microsoft Teams, which we thought was what was great about that was the ability to break out into chat rooms, which they loved. Um, students really loved that. The downside was the fact that you couldn't see many faces. So I flipped it through Microsoft Teams one class and Zoom the next, and we made it our check-in pastoral care class. And, um, and the groups in that block who knew each other in class were really good at looking after each other. And um, then in block three, that became more like a real, not a real classroom, but more in the sense that they were there just to do learning. Our real classrooms definitely do pastoral care. And, um, but you do it um, not, you do it like just part of life. You don't mm -hmm. do it. Whereas um, online, you really need to know these guys are doing okay because some of our students were international students who were here with um, no support systems, they are stuck in their room on their own and it can be even more frightening than at least I know people. Um, so students were very good at looking after each other too. Beyond the technology itself, perhaps the, it's about that pastoral care. Do you think there's anything that we've learned about yeah, teaching totally. that, that's going to stick or change how we, how we teach? 
I think if the biggest thing is that relationship is just about as important as the content that we teach. That's but particularly with our own values in the Tiger Polytechnic um, around how we support our students. Actually, relationship is so key that actually we make deliberate connections with our students. Um, you know, if that means taking a coffee trolley in or just taking time to get to know what's happening for them. It's, you know, really important checking in even now. There's still stress around we're not out of the woods yet. And so there's still some stress and it's the unknown that can be quite worrying. And keep in mind, we've got students who might not have family here to when they graduate. And there's students who can't go home in the breaks. Um, it must be quite uh, frightening as single people, most of them. Let's do the same as the help desk was saying wonderful you let's have nancy copman with wonderful you remember the good things that make you yourself you never have to try to be like anyone else or have to try to fit in Up and appreciate, let all the positive in. All that you've done and learned, all that you've seen. Nobody else can be all of the things you have been. So hold up your chin. Your voice 
Be grateful for who you have and who you are because you are you. Always be you. All the things you can be. You beautiful you. You're so special to Remember me. that what makes you you is why I love you. You've been doing some unexpected research over the, the pandemic yes. time. Yeah, there's a book emerging. That's so true. Um, what happened, Sam, was that back at the beginning of the lockdown, I was looking at how I could use the skills I've learned and my own expertise and experience to support our, my colleagues here at Polytech. And so I offered to write a book, which is hilarious, really, because I had to um, message my granddaughter and say, how do you write a blog? <laughs> and so she sent me some examples. So I did my first um, blogs ever, and now we're into the 20-something of them. But um, And realised with all the conference trips cancelled and um, publications sort of pretty much on hold that what could I do that would, um, you know, work here? So I started the blogs and then realised that they... Um, would be quite useful to publish somewhere. On top of that, I've been working on a book for my, that comes out of the stuff I did with my PhD, sort of on emotional intelligence. And um, so decided that I'd look at how we might publish them and had a conversation with some folk here. And um, the powers that be decided this was a great idea and why don't we expand it to everybody's voices here. Um, lots of people were doing stuff. During those blogs, we ran a poem competition for limericks and sonnets. And so we decided that uh, lots of people like yourself, you've been doing the Blowing Bubbles program here, and um, Richard's been doing photography, and other people have been writing and doing research. So we thought we'd bring it all together. So we're putting out a book at the end of the year called Collective Voices of COVID-19 Target Polytechnic. And it's just brilliant because it really captures what's happening for people now and um, different people's responses. It's creative and um, I think it's been a great um, project really for to give people here voice. Is there anything in it that surprised you? Uh, but yeah, if anything, people's honesty. Like, you know, like people just aren't being political or politically correct in what they're saying in the sense that they're actually saying what what's hard. And um, I think, too, as professionals, sometimes we don't do that. We have a bit more of a front on, especially around our work. And so to see the honesty, and I think that's been one of the key things with even the relationship building that's been happening online, that when we come together, has created really deep and meaningful relationships. And, and that you're, you're talking right. about your your research area, emotional intelligence. Yeah. What does that tell us about what's going on? Um, oh, that's a good question. Actually, that'd make a great research question. <laughs> um, I, I don't know the actual answer to that. 
What I do know is that people have had to dig deep and so so that's where the blogs have been quite helpful because each week I've I've used the model of how order which is looking at holistic well-being and so for the different weeks I looked at different areas of things that I could encourage people in or give a little bit more understanding or information and um, and then make it real real around things that perhaps you know like I said not seeing um, Hudson when he was born um, but that's that's one little story but in everybody's house there's a story that's going on and so that it's, it's a platform for appreciating perhaps even the grief people have been feeling or the uncertainty. I, I still um, think it's hilarious that night that we moved to level two and I'm watching some fluffy dog program adopting a dog program and in the middle of it you get this beep and um, the thing across the screen that says there's going to be an alert level announcement and it's like you literally move from this comfortable, relaxed place into a full alert. And one, I mean, we didn't know what was coming next, so I thought there was a bit mean of them. We're used to our one o'clock Dr. Ashley sessions with the Prime Minister, and, um, you know, here we are, then, you know, sort of literally got till midnight to, to change. And so we aren't used to this. Like, I just saw something online the other day about um, a a Vietnam veteran and who had lived through this and they'd lived through um, polio and they'd lived through a few other things that took two or three years to come through and that they were of an age where they could see the, se the end of a season and we, this generation, often haven't been through things like that. So um, none, most of us have not been through a world war. Um, some of us have been through financial crises that we've seen time but the uncertainty of this time is quite new for many of us. And um, and it's also realising that I think if I was to give any advice, it's be one day at a time. That um, we need to future-proof ourselves as much as we can, like as much as is within our control, but also realise that even out of control, life carries on and we will find creative and innovative ways. So it's the sense of giving ourselves permission to be human, to be honest. And um, emotional intelligence is just the intelligent use of emotions. Um, it's a bit more than that. But if you think about it, is we're all processing emotions more than we used to. So accepting that these things are coming at us and how do we manage them in our relationships that matter to us? Because that's what we want to come out with is still maintaining those relationships um, post-COVID. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou, I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, that this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very fulfilling, and is illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. The triumph of nature's art. Perfect, unique, and here, making things better. Thank you. So as we know, as a species of animal, we are so good at finding meaning and seeing meaning in the world around us and recognising patterns and creating patterns and 
building these all into frameworks of belief and understanding and knowledge and passing these on and learning and constantly co-evolving and improving how we do things. And I feel very grateful that I'm able to participate with this in terms of supporting the real world, the living world, the natural world at Orokanui Eco Sanctuary as the LEOTC Education Officer, as I have been for the past 11 years, which I'm so grateful for. And as part of my triumphant re-emergence back into consensus reality, I'm going to begin this work again, of course, now in level two. And so I know that for all of us, we are embarking on quite different ways of doing things every day. And I had a big day of getting my head and heart and all aspects around this new reality in terms of all the various things I need to put in place for my wonderful education dream team and all the lovely schools that are coming to visit us. And so it's been really interesting. And what it really highlighted for me, of course, is that it's so important at this time to really be kind to ourselves and to each other and do what we can and recognise that this is all new and we are all doing our best and we're all doing very, very well. And it's important to make adjustments in other areas of our lives in order to accommodate the intensity and the challenge and the stress and the adaptation and reconfiguration and transformation that we are all taking part in at the moment. And so, of course, for me, whilst I had lots of wonderful fantasies about, you know, locking up all my bank accounts and only eating eggs from the hens and veggies from the veggie garden and going on a very strict health regime to add to my recuperation plan and all of these aspects of my life I'm sure at some stage will come into being. I had to recognise today that today was not the right time to make these large transformational changes. And in fact, what was most supportive to me was continuing to enjoy eating very yummy food from the outside world and continuing to be able to freely support local enterprise. So it's been a very interesting day of taking a bit of a step back and looking at where we are all at together and enjoying seeing how I can best deal with these new changes and support those around me to deal with them. And of course, whenever we do take a bit of a step back, it's so helpful because it enables us to really see how incredibly skilled and kind and generous and creative and loving and nurturing and brave we all are and how we're all contributing so much all the time to getting us through and so for all of you thank you for everything you're doing every day thank you for allowing me to join you for five minutes every day i'm so grateful 
and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're talking there about uncertainty. We're not very good at dealing with uncertainty, despite the fact the future is always uncertain, but now it's particularly uncertain. Are there some things that we can do to to help us intelligently use our emotions to do that? Yeah, I think um, one of them is to acknowledge that this is a tougher time. I think it's tougher this time. I think there isn't the novelty that we had the first time, and now this is we're doing the hard yards a bit more. And um, so I I think even though the novelty's worn off, I think we need to set some bottom and top limits in our lives of, you know, what we um, are comfortable, you know, living with, like... Um, Although some things are out, out of our control, how we respond is within our control. Um, some people are not getting up or they're sleeping in, like even our students, and or they're playing, you know, playing games all night. I know the one of the hardest things I did was I'd got used to going to bed about 11 because I didn't have to get up at 6 to be at work. and um, But then we switched to the next, level and it's like I'm still awake at 11 <laughs> but I still have to be up at five or six in the morning you know so um, control the things you can control would be one of those things and make sure you've got a significant people in your life that you're um, able to share with um, on a on a meaningful basis I thought one of the things that I've noticed is the number of people that have said to me just recently of something that's going quite significant in their life, whether it's health or their children or something, and they finish it off with a comment that says, yeah, but that's nothing compared to what other people are dealing with. And I thought, actually, that's not true. You know, we need to validate what's where, I was going to say, suffering with. What's hurting us as people is real. It's real grief. It's real loss. And we still need to value the things we're experiencing. And... I think that's the difference is the world is sharing the same grief and loss, two different levels of, you know, some people have lost, actually lost, you know, their lives. Um, but nonetheless, our experience, all experiences are real. And so I think it's really important that we value those and that we, you know, people, I was hearing something just recently saying, you know, the be kind thing is wearing a bit thin. Um, and that's because our own stress levels have raised and our, um, ability to maintain our self-control in the supermarket or on the road or whatever. I think people have got a bit more snippy around those things. I know I got a real shock when I raced into a supermarket. I'd almost forgotten it was level two and um, grabbed the things, saw a hand go up on a counter and went towards it to be told there's a queue, which I understand, so I um, left. I didn't go. I was <laughs> very wanting to, I must admit. Um, and then I looked at the length of the queue and it's like a full length of a row around the corner towards the freezers. And um, yeah, I couldn't cope with that. Actually, like it was, it sort of leaves you thinking, okay, okay, I'm done here. I just want out, <laughs> you know. And um, so I think it's really important that we just realize we are, we're not in zero, um, we're not in one, we're here in the South Island, we're in two, and we feel for our Auckland buddies um, in three, and, you know, there is this extra pressure of what could come in the future, and I think the sense of having to live 
realize we've got to learn to live with this, that it's a long term, it's a marathon now, it's not a short race, and um, to kind of look after ourselves for that. And I was thinking, you know, what can we do? Well, I think we need to do the little things. If somebody's told us something that they're going through, then check in with them. And, um, or, to, you know, offer coffee or, um, you know, a phone call or a take a meal, or, you know, like it is a bit of extra energy to take a meal, but, you know, things, you know, what is that saying about, um, you know, things come and go and you, you can never outgive the situation. That future, you know, pay it forward thing is just such a great philosophy really you know even just releasing someone from their children if it's a single parent go and babysit for a couple of hours you know or, or FaceTime or something you know people just need to connect we really need connection more than anything and you know I just think perhaps we do need a little bit of self-control but actually we also need to give ourselves permission to just take it a wee bit kind, softer slower um, if that's what we need. You said that be kind could be wearing thin, but you also yeah. said we're not in zero, and we're, we're not in zero now, and we're probably not ever going to be in zero. We're, we're, well, we're going think, to some mm. sort of – it's not a return to normal. We're going to whatever it is that's going to oh, be different. So what can we do yeah. to, to make that – or to perhaps transform that be kind message into something that will last indefinitely? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think it's about um, not objectifying people. I think it's about seeing the humanity. I think if we do that, then we won't take people for granted and we will take the meaning out of what they're saying, not just what they're saying. I think we're really good in New Zealand anyway of asking how people are and they're not waiting for the answer. And I think we've got to take the time to not only hear the answer but to appreciate the meaning to the answer and then what's our response so not just the empathy be kind but the compassion what action does that require of me what can I do to lighten their load um, at the same time making sure that if I need a day out with no contact no whatever that I take it that um, I was thinking that you know we have to protect our inner world if we want to keep our outer world um, working and you know um, successful often what happens is we extend our uh, extend our external world and by doing more or supporting others and whatever but we don't look after our inner world our inner self and that gets smaller and then we start falling over and so actually we need to make sure we're doing the things that um, fill our tank really whatever that is maybe some new hobbies I just noticed uh friend of mine who's just started some new hobbies they're doing um they're brewing their own beer and they've got a little bit of farmland and i thought man i'm boring what can i do <laughs> that would be really interesting um and so i've actually planted some nut trees and some fruit trees which is excellent kind of um for me because they don't need a lot of looking after <laughs> and um then my and yet in a year or two i'll have all this these nuts i can give away you know and um that should be fun and also I just got this great ice cream recipe and it literally tastes like real ice cream. Like it's so cool. So I'm looking forward to trying all these new ice cream recipes of, you know, homemade 
ice creams and then having ice cream parties, you know, like, and that's going to connect people, but it might not connect people if we can't, if we move into level three. So we have to be thinking, what is that? Um, I know for some people just dropping some baking in their letterbox, it doesn't have to be at their door. This, you know, I guess I'm doing things that, like I'm a hospital hospitality type person. I like doing that. It's my way of showing that I put effort and time into and those people matter. But for other people, it might be different. We need to do our giving according to the way people receive. Like for some people, they, I, I mean, I really feel for those who, you know, um, who rely on physical touch because in COVID, the, that, that's missing, especially for, you know, people living on their own, the older generation, young people who are flatting, might not be flatting with people they know very well. Um, for some people, it might be a quick card or a note or an email um, or a text even, but not in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You're talking about that, um, protecting that inner world. We talked with Linda Ho. Yeah last week and she talked about the importance of having positive conversations with yourself and asking yeah, yourselves yeah. asking yourselves questions framing questions with your your inner dialogue in ways that get positive mm -hmm. answers so i've been practicing yeah, that over the, the last concept. week yeah that's really good i think it's important that we be careful what we hear ourselves saying like we have our mouth our ears hear what our mouth says and sometimes we can be saying negative things, you know, I can't or um, I'm not strong enough or whatever, or this is, you know, this is going to get me really down. Um, and and so be careful what we say. It's okay. If we need help and we need counselling, that's a different story. That's an open door. We should say what we, what we need to say. But, you know, if we're saying we're tired all the time, then it's amazing how it isn't long before we feel tired all the time. You know, and so, yeah, I think there is a way of protecting that a little bit, but also just being ourselves. I think if I've learned anything, it's okay to be yourself. And I'm not going to be 100, I'm not going to be 100 all the time, especially in this environment. And so permission giving to others not to be 100 either. It's really important. So of all of the changes we've seen in the last few months, the sort of societal level changes, what do yeah. you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Wow, good question. Um, I'm hoping that the relationships we've forged and with almost complete strangers um, stick. I hope that happens. I hope we learn from it about what's really important in life. And um, like to me, it comes down to the thing that matters to me the most are my family, my kids, and um, the legacy that I leave, and how I, what I can invest in others. That actually, even if I'm stuck at home, what is it I can do that would leave um, somebody else better off? This is the Statler Brothers with Count on Me. Tell by looking, you've got feelings in your heart. You're hoping no one else can see. But you can't hide feelings 
from someone who cares. Open up and let it out and count on me. Count on me. For doing my share. Count on me. You know that I care. think we can learn from how we've responded to the pandemic for the bigger longer term questions that society is dealing with whether it be climate change or social justice those those ones that are perhaps intergenerational yeah um i think uh, you you said something the other day which i thought was quite useful was that um our you know, environmental sustainability is like a slow burn, but COVID has caught us out and it's real like a fast burn. And I think that's where I look at young people because like most of the students I have are young and realising how, you know, society was um, fairly instant and, you know, the whole thing of self-gratification. But now we've placed on top of that, that whole fleetingness of life, like the temporariness I know that's not a word, but I'll, I'll use that for now. <laughs> um, around, you know, like here today, gone tomorrow. That's quite unsettling for building futures. And, um, you know, I think it's great that New Zealand and our politics sector are, are working on making sure we have, you know, the skills and um, qualifications that the future is looking for. I think that's fantastic and our students are seeing that. But, you know, when you think in this very recent time we've had earthquakes in Christchurch, we've had the bombings, um, we've had um, other things happening around the world and, you know, like it, for a young person, it's, I, I feel a little different for myself because I'm not young, <laughs> as young as that now. And um, But I think, like, looking forward for planning their life, it's like they haven't been through a war. I was very fortunate my father served in the Second World War. So there were flashes of what that must have been like in just the way he was as a person. 
and um, and that was sort of frightening in a very subtle and subdued way at home in my home life. But this generation, this is the first touch they've really had of what it's like to be living with perhaps, um, you know, things that could, you know, they could lose their life or they could get very sick. And um, I think we were saying about um, other events that have happened that that have been two or three years long perhaps people have lived through war or lived through polio or SARS or something else and come out the other side and that we might life might not be what it was but in some ways we're richer for it we have more um, well medicine has um, improved over that time but also people's way like people are really resilient they will find a way of working through this so that some sense of normality returns it won't be the same we get that but it'll still be fulfilling and it'll still be life but different i think that's quite exciting so yeah we're we're in transformational stages right now we really are we don't know what that i can't paint the picture of the future in that sense but it, it can still be successful at the moment i'm quite concerned about our economies um, you know, there was a great interview on Channel One this morning on TV One, and you know the hardship that our business folks, especially small business, are dealing with right now. And you know, they could be having to lay off people they've had relationships for years. And um, and what are they going to do? You know, there's there's real suffering out there. And um, so it's that ability to be able to see that we have to morph into some other something. There's still going to be jobs out there, but will it, how will it have changed? And um, do you think business will yeah. change? I mean, cl clearly there's going to have to be an adjustment in the, the the sorts of business that people do. The international tourists aren't coming back this year or next year. So, th but but beyond yeah. that kind of you know the, the the sector change do you think we're going to be looking at a a new form of business are those students going to be expecting differently shaped careers i think so but i don't think they won't be unfulfilling i think they'll be very fulfilling but it's a bit like we don't know what that will be in, in its entirety but it's that ability in some ways to take the skills that you've learned and apply them differently i think that's what going to happen I think it is about having an attitude of one chameleon in the sense that you can change for the situation but on the other side that's passive response but also being willing to forge yourself into a new future not knowing what that is and uh, realizing that you will have the skills and ability and you will have the confidence to do that um, I mean we're already seeing businesses who like some businesses today that weren't online pre-COVID and they're doing a roaring trade. Like they've had to learn a different way of working and that's still going to happen for all the industries that we deal with. One of the biggest um, challenges I had was trying to get um, a something couriered over the lockdown. Um, you know, that was quite challenging. Um, no gyms. <clears throat> you know, that's... Um, how are we going to do that? How can we do that in the future if life has been diminished? I mean, we, we need business. We need economies. Do we need as much consumerism as we had? Well, it might be a readjustment. Uh, the uh, the uh, housing market hasn't 
declined. In fact, if anything, it's increased right now. So there's some surprises in what's happening in business. So I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we shall have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, To me, I think it's just seeing my kids grow and um, grandkids, really important to me. I, th- I, you know, I think in the last five years I graduated with a PhD. That's a real plus for me. Um, long journey to that. Um, it's got to be investing in other people's future. I mean, that's real success. Uh, what we leave behind, we, our lives are, you know, relatively short. I think we've learnt it more lately. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So you're in our yeah. team of people doing good work. What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Um, I have to say it's because I'm a master juggler. Master. Absolutely. <laughs> juggler. You could take on Batman being a master juggler. No, you're supposed yep, to be friends with Batman, true. except when he's bad. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Actually, no. I, um, I don't, but if there's a need... I'm certainly willing to have a voice for it. So as much as I don't I don't um, choose that space, if there's a need, I'll step into it. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, that's a good question. I have no idea. Blank. <laughs> <laughs> what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, uh, uh, the challenge is to be a better juggler, <laughs> and um, and I think I probably need to learn a bit more technology. And one of the things I really want to do is learn Maori, because I think we are a bicultural country, and I'm only half. Um, I don't know so much that I should know, or want to know. I can't say should know; that's judgmental. But actually, I don't know about you, but I learned a different history when I was a kid and it wasn't until I was an adult I learned the true history and um, and so I think we're in a space where we can take our biculturalism by both hands and um, yeah I think there's a lot that's happening in that space that I want to be enriched by and enrich others. That's a good challenge and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners? Yeah, probably if it was anything, it's always keep learning, is that um, be willing to stretch yourself a little bit further than you're already comfortable with. Um, That whole sense is be comfortable in your own skin too. Um, You're not perfect, just like me. and um, But we have a lot to give to others. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for joining me. You are welcome. Take care, Sam.
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. Find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Karen O and the Kids. All is love. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I was joined today by Leslie Gill from Otago Polytechnic in North Dunedin. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.